Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Out of the gates, hour number two underway. OutKick 360 rolls on from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Tom Brady has announced his retirement, making that official. We'll discuss that and many more headlines across the NFL to kick off the hour with John McLean of the Houston Chronicle, cron.com and texassportsnation.com. He's on head coach watch there for the Texans. We'll get into what the Texans may be doing uh, momentarily. And really, we can start there because it ties into Brian Flores, who's been mentioned in the Texans coaching search. And now he's filing suit against the NFL, according to Alex Weeprin at wigderlaw.com, who's published this uh, lawsuit, Brian Flores suing the NFL and the New York Giants, alleging racism in hiring. It includes private text from Bill Belichick. Flores says that Stephen Ross, the owner of the Miami Dolphins, offered to pay him $100,000 for every loss during the 2019 season to help him get a better draft spot, and that Ross was mad when they kept winning games. And uh, Weeprin goes on to tweet, Flores' suit includes text from Bill Belichick that appeared to show him congratulating him on getting the Giants' job, mistakenly believing he was texting Brian Dayball. This was before Flores' interview with the Giants even took place. And there's some other details in this that we'll continue to comb through. But as we say hello to John McClain, John, the, the news cycle never ends in the NFL. And Flores, who was mentioned for the Giants, he's been mentioned at other spots and has interviewed at a couple different places. Um, this would indicate he's not going to coach next year. He's got an interview coming up with the Saints. And uh, those things that happened with the Dolphins, Armando Salguero, of course, was covering the Dolphins then, and he was right on top of it. And he's written often about had they tanked how the Dolphins won a game, that allowed the Bengals to end up getting Joe Burrow. And uh, the Dolphins were willing to give up three number one picks that they had to move up to uh, to get Burrow. And then the Dolphins uh, would have gotten Joe Burrow. And Cincinnati could have had Justin Herbert unless they blew it and got to a ton of Iloa. But this has opened up a can of worms the NFL doesn't want to talk about. We'd be naive if we think, if we didn't think a lot of the minority candidates were getting interviewed just to satisfy. The Rooney Rule, and uh, this is going to take us behind the scenes. And man, if it's if it is uh, outing some things that Bill Belichick texted, uh, thinking it would be private with Flores, I tell you this is not good for Brian Flores to take on the NFL. John, is the pressure on the remaining teams that haven't hired a coach now, or is the pressure on for them to hire a black coach with this story they'll out hire, there? No, they'll hire whoever they want, Texans finalists or. Josh McCown, Brian Flores, Jonathan Gannon, Philadelphia defensive coordinator. They also interviewed Kevin O'Connell, Chargers offensive coordinator, Joe Lombardi. Then Hall of Fame receiver, Heinz Ward, who is a 
receivers coach at Florida Atlantic, and uh, and I'm going to hire Josh McDowell. And uh, I've been writing that since last week, and I still believe it. And they, were, of course, they deny it, but that's what I believe. And uh, but they fired David Culley. There's three minority coaches in the NFL: Robert Sala with the Jets, uh, Ron Rivera with Washington, and of course Mike Tomlin being the only African American with the Steelers. But this is always going to cause controversy. There, it's interesting. There's more African American front office executives, GMs getting jobs than our head coaches. John, I, I'm, I'm for a, an owner hiring whoever they want, hiring the most qualified candidate, hiring the best candidate for their job, whoever that may be. I want to put that out there. But I'll also say the league and teams have yielded to less pressure before to, to do things. Uh, I, I'm just curious, you know, how this is going to, I don't know if look is the right word, but if the NFL is actively fighting off a lawsuit from Brian Flores alleging racism in the hiring process and all of this going on, and then the remainder of the teams all hire white coaches, does that mean anything for the lawsuit? And would the league be meeting with these teams and saying anything about the possible repercussions for what that could say about the validity of Brian Flores' lawsuit, whether or not it's valid or not? Well, the NFL can't tell a team what to do. They can suggest it. NFL's done everything it can do to help minority coaches, and that just doesn't mean just black coaches. That's Hispanic in any nationality. And they've done everything they know how to do up to this point. But the owners are going to hire whoever they want and whoever their general managers recommend. Byron Leftwich, I thought, was going to Jacksonville. I thought his general manager was going to be Adrian Wilson, the former safety who's an Arizona pro scouting executive and uh, he didn't want to work with their current general manager Trent Bauke and they've had so long to work on this my goodness what is taking them so long they're interviewing Doug Peterson again you would have thought they would have been one of the first but maybe they will hire Byron Leftwich and maybe New Orleans will hire Brian Flores or another minority but uh it's always going to be a problem. It has been. At one point, we had seven minority coaches, and right now we have three. Another thing alleged in this, John, um, is that uh, Stephen Ross was pressuring Flores to tamper with uh, with some sort of uh, veteran quarterback, it sounds like. Pressured him. Flores resisted. Uh, then took Flores out on a yacht where they were meeting another yacht that had a veteran quarterback on it, to which Flores uh, reacted, as you'd want him to, if you wanted him to follow a rule, with disdain, wanted off of the yacht, and after that, the relations show, uh, soured, and he was portrayed, Flores was, as difficult to work with. Is it Deshaun Watson they're talking about, John? I have no idea. That would be incredible tampering if it was. The league would come down hard on them for doing something like that. Stephen Ross asked for permission the last week before the trading deadline if he could talk to Watson. That was the first time he'd given them permission. I understand they never talked. And then there were reports that Watson was talking to Flores, which would have been another serious violation. Not everybody, then it was denied. So I have no idea who the quarterback would have been. Some people were trying to say Brian Flores was the only one and that organization who wanted John Watson, and that wasn't true. 
Stephen Ross wanted him as well. And Chris Greer, the GM, who had a falling out with uh, Flores through all this, uh, I'm not exactly sure how much he wanted him, but that went almost to the trade deadline. Had a deal worked out for three ones, a three and a five, spread over three years. And then, of course, they had to do a – they had to dump it because Watson couldn't get all his uh, settlements reached before the deadline. Um, also, they they also put in this in this suit. Um, Flores' attorney writes that Elway and uh, decision makers with the Broncos showed up an hour late to his interview in 2019, and then shortly after his interview, hired Vic Fangio. They appeared hungover uh, when they showed up to this meeting. Yeah, that yeah, that's what they that's what said what it says in this. Uh, what it doesn't address is the Giants actually interviewed Leslie Frazier two times during this coaching search process. They don't. They fail to mention that as a part of the, the racism allegations for the New York Giants. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of stuff that's left out. And the thing that's so interesting about this, Flores did a good job there his last two years as head coach with winning records. But when you do something like this, that makes you a hot potato. People are going to like not want to have anything to do with you. Maybe the Saints will hire him. And because they're still looking, most people believe they're going with their defensive coordinator, Dennis Allen. But, uh, man, I'm when I saw this and the news broke about Flores doing this and, and bringing all this up about general managers and coaches and, and owners, it shocked me. This is a, this is a story we're going to be unpacking for a while because there's a lot in this lawsuit to get to. Uh, one of the things in the lawsuit, though, John, that really makes me laugh, and I all honestly feel bad for Bill Belichick because if you had your worst texting snafu appear in uh, a story or a lawsuit that went you know, global, then you'd feel bad. Um, they have the text, the screenshots of the text from Bill Belichick, and I, I'm going to give you a little transcript, a reading of it. Uh, that Bill Belichick texted Brian Flores and said, sounds like you have landed, congrats. Brian Flores responds, did you hear something I didn't hear? Giants, says Bill Belichick, with a bunch of uh, question marks and exclamation points. And then Brian Flores says, I interview on Thursday. I think I have a shot at it. Bill Belichick says, got it. I hear from Buffalo and the New York Giants that you were their guy. Hope it works out if you want it to. Flores then says, that's definitely what I want. I hope you're right, coach. Thank you. He then waits and says, Coach, are you talking to Brian Flores or Brian Dayball? Just making sure. And then that's when Bill Belichick says, sorry, I bleeped this up. I double-checked and misread the text. I think they are naming Dayball. I'm sorry about that. Signed, BB. Uh, Bill Belichick messing up something with technology probably doesn't surprise anyone. But boy, is this a bad look uh, that the Giants uh, possibly already had their guy and Bill Belichick knew it before. They interviewed Brian Flores. You know, when they hired Joe Shane as general manager from the Bills, everybody was talking about it was going to be Brian Dayball or Leslie Frazier because they were the offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator while he was there. But I'm really, really surprised that Brian Flores, who worked with Belichick for 15 years, would include that because that is so embarrassing for Belichick. And we've all been there with things we've tweeted and like, huh, gotten confused, happens to me all the time. And uh, so I think this is just an unbelievable situation. Just like they, when news broke 
on Saturday about Brady's retirement before he wanted to with the championship games coming on Sunday. The NFL hates that. And now taking away from the Super Bowl, Brady's retirement, and now Brian Flores' lawsuit. That's the good thing about the NFL. There's never a dull day. John McClain with us. And before we get to Brady to, to kick off our next segment, John, just going back to uh, Josh McCown and him interviewing in Houston, I was reading your Twitter feed, and I believe it was from you, and if not, I apologize. It all runs together. Um, that the Texans were hoping that he would land another interview somewhere else in order to validate him as a coach and as a, a as a potential first-year, uh, first-time head coach hire in Houston. Is that true? Well, first of all, I didn't tweet that, and I don't have any idea. I think it was Mike Florio that put that out there last week, and uh, and nobody else has been interviewed interested in Josh McKinnon as a head coach. The guy's never been a coach anywhere but high school. His past year, he took off from the NFL. Texans offered him a job as assistant head coach. They interviewed him for the head coach in January after Nick Casario was hired, and he went to Rusk High School in East Texas, close to his hometown of Jacksonville, coach receiver so he can coach his two sons. The oldest one a senior, the youngest one a sophomore. He told the newspaper up in East Texas, after the season, as most fun he'd ever had in football. And uh, the oldest went to, is going to Colorado. And so I guess he decides to come back to the NFL. And I believe the Texans are going to hire him. And they're going to catch all kind of, of – uh, they're going to get ripped, as they have been, locally, nationally. But I tell you, I've been talking to people with the 12 organizations where he's been. Where everybody says great things about him, thinks he's going to be a – Wonderful coach, but who would expect him to be a head coach right off the bat? And uh, But I think it's going to happen. It's going to be fascinating to follow him because the last one that did that was Norm Van Brocken, the Hall of Fame quarterback, who was the Vikings' first coach in 1961. He had no experience in coaching. John McClain with us. Coming up with John, we will be chatting about Tom Brady, the GOAT announcing that uh, it's official. He is retired coming off of the Saturday report that John referenced with Adam Schefter uh, and, and Darlington. We, we will get into reaction to Brady stepping away from the game, and we will discuss Josh McDaniels back in as the head coach now of the Las Vegas Raiders, go around the league a bit and discuss all of the news and notes and get a brief look ahead to Super Bowl 56 as uh, we get set for the Bengals taking on the Rams. Stay tuned. More coming with John on OutKick 360. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer. With over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros, Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. 
Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Glad you're with us across the Outkick Network. If it's in Missouri, Somo Sports Radio. Sports Radio 104.7 across the Upper Cumberland. We say hello to you. Plus, uh, Fox Sports Shoals, Muscle Shoals, Alabama, Huntsville, and Florence. Good afternoon to you. Talking uh, football, we're about to get John McClain's thoughts on Super Bowl 56 and the matchup. But first, John, we've touched the, the major headline that just broke with Brian Flores suing the NFL among some other NFL teams. The news of the last 48 to 72 hours has been all about Tom Brady. If it's not about the Super Bowl, it's about Brady and uh, the retirement. First reported by ESPN's Adam Schefter and Jeff Darlington, and then uh, made official today with a post from Tom Brady. Your thoughts on the greatest of all time, hanging it up and spending time with family instead of going for season number 23. First of all, it's obvious he didn't want it to get out when it did right before the championship games. So they tried to shoot it down. Then, of course, he made it official today. And in his Instagram announcement, he didn't mention the Patriots. He didn't mention fans there, nothing there. And then when they started making a big deal out of that, then he came back and think Patriot Nation. So five years from now, when it's time for him to go in the Hall of Fame, all anybody will have to do is say, ladies and gentlemen, Ron, Tom Brady and Ron Borges from Boston will sit, <laughs> and Paul and I will vote for him on the first ballot. John, can you uh, recall a time where a news outlet broke a retirement story and then the person retiring was silent for a couple of days and people were denying it? Then they come back and say that they're retiring. And also to throw in the added wrinkle that the outlet that reported it has a show going on with Tom Brady, man in the arena that's, oh, by the way, got a finale coming up in a couple of weeks. What did you make of just the coverage of that story on Saturday? Well, first of all, I knew when it had Adam Schefter's name on it. Adam's not wrong very much. Remember when he broke Andrew Luck's retirement before Luck wanted out, he was on the sideline at a preseason game in Indianapolis. When it came out, it was at night. And the fans were seeing it in the stands on their cell phones, and they booed Andrew Luck as he left the field. Now, that's not the way he wanted it to come off. But then, of course, they had a retirement party, and everybody loved him. But uh, in this day and age, at the twenty-four-seven, you got to be on your toes for news. These things don't always happen the way the athletes want them to, especially with somebody as big as Brady. And uh, I hate to see him retire. It's been a privilege to watch him, to cover all of his Super Bowls, cover a lot of his playoff games. And uh, him and Peyton Manning, those two going at it for as many years as they did, I don't know if we'll ever have anything else like it. Think about this. People are talking about Burrow Mahomes, Josh Allen. 
think of how many times those guys are going to have to play each other in the playoffs and then win multiple Super Bowls to get into the neighborhood that Brady and uh, Manning occupied. John, you mentioned the Super Bowls and the MVPs, and there's practically uh, every category has Brady's name listed as the as the top guy. Is there one record or one moment that you put ahead of everything else when you first think of Brady? First thing I think about Tom Brady is Mo Lewis hitting Drew Bledsoe in 2001 and knocking him out of the lineup, opening the door for Brady and Bledsoe, who was the franchise in New England and not been hurt. Now, obviously, Brady was going to be a great quarterback, but would it have been there? Would it have been somewhere else? A good friend of mine, Ted Johnson, who played linebacker there for 10 years, helped him win those first three Super Bowls. Ted told me many times when he was on our flagship station here, all the fun times they had with Brady as a rookie, they'd have get-togethers with the players and their wives, and then – Ted that night would ask his wife how the party goes. He said, oh, we were so, that Tommy's so funny. Tommy's so cute. Tommy who? Tommy Brady, the rookie quarterback. Oh, that's what the veterans heard was the wives talking about how cute he was when they'd have to get-togethers. And, of course, next year he got that opportunity and the rest is history. It's just so incredibly difficult. What What I thought of this morning it's just so difficult to make the run year after year that the Patriots did. Like every, every August, you could say it's going to. I'm I'm taking the Patriots and another team, right? Like Brady was going to be playing in the Super Bowl, no matter what happened. If he's healthy, he's playing in the Super Bowl. It was just a it was a guaranteed fact, and and you know half of the time your your bet's going to be right. John, you never uh, you went on a stretch where you picked the two Super Bowl teams. Uh, year after year, and you know, you're picking the Patriots to go. And also, I never picked against Brady at home. I don't know if I ever picked against Brady anywhere. Maybe when they played in Indy against uh, the Colts and Manning every once in a while, but I always picked them to win. It was right most of the time. And the thing that if I look back, two most impressive things about Brady to me were his durability. I mean, it was extraordinary. He had one season where he got knocked out with a knee injury in the first game, Matt. Castle had to play, and they went 11-5 and five, missed the playoffs. And the other one was the way he could bring his team behind. We saw it so many times. If Brady got his hands on the ball, you just automatically assume they're going to win if they need a touchdown to pull it off, and we always thought that way. And there were times when he didn't, like in the Super Bowl against Philadelphia when I think his Brandon Graham knocked the ball out. I think in that game even the Eagles fans knew this one's over and the Patriots are going to win. And that's why I was always mesmerized watching him. And I can imagine the people in New England that covered him and watched him, they could live to be 100, and they'll never see anything else like Tom Brady. John, in the what's next for Tom Brady category, could you see him doing some sort of television that's not just commercials as he moves into this next phase? It, what Something I'm interested in, Chad, like we all know Peyton Manning wants to run a franchise. He has not hidden that fact. It looks like he doesn't want to go in and be an assistant. So he told me one time, I want to do like John Elway and run, run a franchise. And he could go to TV anytime he wanted. Brady could go into TV anytime he wanted. Brady could host Saturday Night Live and be great at it. I don't think, I don't see Brady being an analyst. 
going on the road every week and putting that time into it. But I could see him coming into the studio. And I'll tell you this, uh, those things that Peyton did, Peyton plays two years ago, he and Brady did one together where they went to Jim Nance's house when Jim wasn't home and played golf on his part three. It was hilarious. I would love to see something with Brady and Manning. In fact, get rid of Eli, put Brady in there and have it the Manning-Brady cast. Um, one great game, one pretty good game uh, for the titles. Your first impressions of Super Bowl 56. Paul, I've never seen a team, a coach, and a GM like the Rams and Sean McVay and GM Lesney go all in on a season the way they have, and they're right where they expected to be. Now, none of us had any inkling that the Bengals were going to be in this situation. I was stunned that Zach Taylor got a third year as head coach, but it just shows what can happen if you're in a position to draft a generational quarterback and Joe Burrows helped turn that franchise around. I covered their first two Super Bowl losses to the 49ers. I'd love to see Burrow and the Bengals and Mike Brown finally win one. But Matthew Stafford's always been a class act. He's tied his career high, 41 touchdown passes. He's blessed with so much talent on that offense. But they need to get uh, results. They need to win a Super Bowl to justify trading six number one picks, not having another one till 2024. I'm going to pick the Rams to win their home, although that doesn't mean as much in the Super Bowl because every team has an allotment of tickets, not to mention the scalpers. But I think it's going to be fun. I think it's going to be a, a passing Super Bowl built around the quarterbacks. And that's the way the game is today. We were wondering about this yesterday. As Mike Brown has gotten older, Katie Blackburn maybe taking on more, Duke Tobin certainly getting more power. Have the Bengals become less cheap? Less cheap not in player acquisition, but less cheap in, uh, say, having more plush towels you used to hear uh, not ju- <laughs> not just about them not having being the only team without an indoor practice facility, but having uh, paper thin towels when they got out of the showers and things like that. Do we think the Bengals are in better shape as an organization with stuff like that? I'm guessing the toilet paper is a little thicker in the bathrooms there. <laughs> they had the worst facility. People complained about it constantly. Mike Brown was ripped constantly, sticking with Marvin Lewis despite not winning a uh, playoff game and now they've hit a home run with Zach Taylor and Joe Burrow and I watched the other day when I, I think it was Chris Collinsworth who said that uh, Mike Brown was a great owner I don't think Mike considered a great owner he's a survivor like his dad Paul Brown was and when he let his daughter Katie Blackburn whom you've mentioned Paul start to have more influence over the organization things took off you don't hear about them being cheap anymore they got a lot of talent on that team of both sides of the ball. Texans let their nose tackle DJ Reader walk two years ago. He went to the Bengals, and I thought, man, how nuts are you? You're never going anywhere. You just went for the money grab. And, man, does he look smart and do I look stupid? Not the first time, but a lot of players have gone up there, and they've paid money to get them, and now it's paying off. John McClain with us. You can follow him on Twitter, at McLean underscore on underscore NFL. John, uh, it- Think about what the, the the history will end up writing about each quarterback here, Burrow and Stafford. 
and how we will look back on their matchup coming up a week from Sunday is a defining moment of each career. You know, Stafford's going out to L.A. We're seeing him win his first playoff game, playing the, you know, get his first start in a, in a victory. Burrow's doing the same. Uh, and now they converge in Super Bowl 56 with an opportunity for each to win their first. Stafford would certainly put that on the mantle of his long career already. And meanwhile, Burrow, with a win, is now in the same conversation with Mahomes and Allen for guys who are going to routinely be expected to lead their team to the Super Bowl year after year and, and eventually be in contention for the AFC Championship, maybe hosting the AFC Championship. Stafford's 33 years old. The way quarterbacks are playing into their late 30s or early 40s, then I could see Stafford playing a long time. It's hard to believe Sean McVay's just 36 years old, and he's going to be around there a long time. They're always going to have a good offense, and they're playing in the NFC. And the NFC does not have the great young quarterbacks like the AFC. So if I had to pick one of these quarterbacks, the one that wins to have the best chance to win another one, I would pick Stafford and the Rams because you look at Burrow, who he's going up against, like mentioned uh, Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, and you figure Lamar Jackson's going to be back. Deshaun Watson may be back to be in any either conference. And the AFC's got the young guns, and they're talented. And it's going to be harder to represent the AFC. So I would say Burrow may play another 15 years, but Matthew Stafford is in a position where he could rack up multiple Super Bowl wins. Josh McDaniels, they make it official in Vegas, and they don't do it in the same fashion that Indy did. You know, Indy announced McDaniels, then they held the press conference. The Raiders had the press conference and then officially announced Josh McDaniels as their next head coach. And we know how that ended for Indy, where McDaniels backed out and got cold feet. But in the presser yesterday, and going back and watching it, he he fully admits to everyone, he's like, I, I was not ready to be a head coach whenever the Broncos hired me. And he ends up, what, 11-17 and 17 is, I think, his record as a head coach in, in Denver. And the last time he was there was 2010. Um, it seems a lot sooner, that, more uh, yeah, more recent than, than 2010, but it's been a while, and he's been very selective. Why are the Raiders the perfect fit for Josh McDaniels? Well, first of all, I'm not sure he's been very selective. I think teams weren't interested in him. And uh, when he was in Denver, he took a young personnel guy named David Ziegler with him. And then they, he went, uh, McDaniel spent a year with the Colts. Ziegler went back to Bill Belichick, worked his way up the personnel ladder, and replaced uh, Nick Casario as the director of player personnel when Casario came here as general manager. And McDaniel has had a lot of time to learn, but he's still learning at the Patriots. Tells me he's going into a situation with some talent. They won double-digit games, came close to winning a playoff game. They may be good for a year or two, but to me, he's just he's the next former Patriot head coach to get fired because they always do. And then what does it mean for Carr? Their car has one year left on his contract, and they're going to have to worry about that. McDaniels did a good job coaching quarterbacks up there, although it's hard not to do a good job when you're coaching Tom Brady. So this will be a much better barometer of his skills at coaching a quarterback. But he's in a good situation where they got skill position players, they got some linemen, they got some talent, but they play in a really tough division with great young quarterbacks. I forgot to mention Justin Herbert a while ago, talking about those young AFC guns that are so talented. So 
He could have picked an easier division if indeed he had a chance, but they wanted to go as a package deal because they've been friends for a long time. And Ziegler said he has final say over personnel. We'll see how that works out. Derek Carr coming off a good season. I'm guessing he's going to get an extension. John, um, so they go with McDaniels. They don't hire Jim Harbaugh, but Jim Harbaugh going to interview. He's, he's already talked with the Vikings. He did that over the weekend. He's going to officially interview tomorrow on Wednesday, which is National Signing Day, um, February 2nd across college football. J- Jim Harbaugh, head coach of the Michigan Wolverines, will be interviewing with Minnesota. Um, and if you start looking at rosters, Denver's right there among uh, quality rosters that many feel like can, with the right quarterback, make the turn. And you've got Minnesota, who is stacked at the skilled positions and should have a better defense than what they did on on paper this year. What do you make of Harbaugh interviewing with, with Minnesota, and do you feel like Miami's still in play? Armando has told us that. Stephen Ross, the owner of the Dolphins, is a big Michigan benefactor. And he said early on, I'm not taking Jim Harbaugh away from Michigan, but if somebody else is, he should get in the running. You know, why not the Dolphins? instead of the Vikings. The Vikings are better off. They've got Kirk Cousins under contract for one more year. Then they're probably going to have to start over. Uh, Tua Tungvaloa hasn't showed he was worth the pick for his sixth overall pick two years ago, so they have quarterback issues. Does he want to live in Minneapolis, or does he want to live in South Florida? So Harbaugh's kind of quirky anyway, and so I would if I, would, if I were a recruit, and the parents of recruits at University of Michigan, I'd be very upset that he hasn't already gotten this over with. It's pretty obvious he wants out of college football and a return to the NFL. What do you make of the other openings at this point? New Orleans, I guess you touched on Jacksonville a little while ago. Paul, the one in New Orleans is, is weird because when they're hiring a coach, there's no way Sean Payton's coming back there. The coach is going to say, well, what am I doing? Am I a placeholder for – Sean to come back in a year. And we lost John McClain. We lost John. We'll, we'll try to get him back here momentarily. Well, there's no, there's no need to get him back. We, we're up against a break. Yeah. Here. Hey, here's, here's the weird thing I wanted to ask John about also with the, the coaching openings. Doug Peterson. How on earth is Doug Peterson not well, – I know we mentioned it yesterday, but how is he not getting one of these jobs? So didn't his name just resurface with Jacksonville with – uh, another front office type who sounded like maybe Rick Spillman. Yeah, like he would be over bulky, maybe like well, a the, high executive yeah, so the, position. Yes. Yeah, so the the reports are that Rick Spillman, former GM in Minnesota, who didn't is, have a bad run. No, is, is talking with Jacksonville, but not for the GM job. It's for a high ranking front office position. I I read that as team president. Now like I know they they, they probably have someone already. But that is masking, like you're, you want to hire Spillman so that people actually trust the organization that has Balky. Trent Balky. Yeah, that, it's, a, it's, it's another it's, way. It's all very uh, odd. Yeah, just fire Balky. What does Balky have on Khan? Yeah. <laughs> why? Why, why is he beholden to Trent Balky? How, how do you not get the message from all of these guys that you seemingly like in the interview process that don't want to work with this guy? It, it really, of it's all of the things that Khan has done. He is a very smart guy, clearly, yes. to be as successful as he's been. This is the dumbest thing he's done. I mean, all of the other ones at least were effort moves. This is a stubborn move. 
Um, the, the story that everyone's talking about across the league, and they're certainly talking about, and it has the senior bowl just uh, you know buzzing, is Brian Flores suing the NFL and other teams, specifically the Giants, the Dolphins, and the Broncos. Armando Salguero will join us today at 420, and uh, that's 420 Central, 520 Eastern. We'll get details on that and the big story across the NFL. When we come back, though, Canada's claiming that the United States is oh. scared. They're claiming the U.S. is scared. PKS thoughts. Details got the next on Outkick 360. PKS thoughts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Outkit 360 rolls on. Our thanks to John McClain for joining us, talking some uh, NFL headlines. We'll get back to uh, Brian Flores suing the NFL. That's coming up in about 30 minutes. Armando Salguero down in South Florida from Outkick.com will join us. Brian Flores, of course, the former Dolphins coach, suing the league, suing the Giants for hiring Brian Dayball over him. Uh, And he alleges that they had already made that hire prior to his interview. References the Denver Broncos in this from a, whenever he originally got the Miami Dolphins job. Um, he interviewed with Denver as well. They end up going with Vic Fangio and uh, mentions, uh, among other things, possible tampering and tanking that Stephen Ross was ordering from uh, the Dolphins organization and for his head coach to follow up on. We'll get into all of that coming up with Armando Salguero. That will be at 420 Central, 520 Eastern. The the goalkeeper for Canada, Chad, you alerted us to this quote yesterday, um, claims that the United States is scared of Canadian soccer. Yep. And while I don't pretend to keep up with this rivalry and, and everyone involved, <laughs> um, I can tell you this is a flat-out lie. Well, then we have the tweet we can show you also where um, he had a lot to say, this Canadian keeper. Uh, I'm not even going to try to pronounce his How name. How do you say it, Paul? I can't see it. Oh. <laughs> Jack, Borion? Jack D. Milan, Milan Borion, uh, the Canadian <laughs> keeper, uh, as I say it like Ron Burgundy, says, whenever we went to the U.S., they have 60,000 people screaming at us, but now when they come to us or we go there, they're scared. They're scared the last four or five matches. They've been scared <laughs> against us. This is from a Canadian soccer player, ladies and gentlemen, talking about these United States well, of America. I believe they had about 15,000 people at this game because of COVID restrictions. So we certainly weren't scared of their crowd. <laughs> I'll tell you who's scared. Canadians, when it comes to COVID. Listen, They're the ones who are scared. I follow this very closely. I was unable to see this game because it was so foolishly scheduled. I think by CONCACAF, the governing body of our region. You didn't even try to go dark on it. You just tried to... It's impossible, yeah, impossible to go dark on you. it. During the AFC Championship game, I wasn't going to make it through two football games yeah. and not see anything. Uh, so we lost 2 nothing. If you want to complain about something in this game, complain about Greg Berhalter, our coach, saying, yeah, Canada really couldn't handle our physicality. They had a lot of trouble with our physicality. <laughs> to make a claim like this after losing 2 nothing is well, really stupid. But goodness. let me give you some numbers. Now, in the last two games, which are the most important games, they're, they're qualifiers for the World Cup. 
Canada drew with us here and beat us there. So those are very good results for Canada. But in the last four games, we have two wins, a draw, and a loss. That's better for us than it is for Canada. Since 2017, we have five wins, three draws, and two losses. That's better for us than for Canada. And since 1991, we have 12 wins, six draws, and two losses. That's far better for us than for Canada. So I don't know exactly what we're scared of outside of maybe a snowdrift. So, Hutton, you you said uh, this rivalry. Paul, I'll throw this question to you. Is this a rivalry? It might be getting to a rivalry because Canada is getting much better. No, I ask this for a reason. Is this a rivalry? Not yet. Are you embarrassed that this is becoming a rivalry as an American soccer fan? It's not good for us that Canada is getting better. How? Okay, are American soccer players and coaches embarrassed to lose 2 nothing to Canada? It's not a good result, but it's not like the end of if the world. If they're not embarrassed, I'm embarrassed for them. This is what bothers me. Just admit embarrassment. Look, the, the three United best States, teams... I can understand the U.S. being worse in soccer than Brazil and to some European powers. I am never going to understand being inferior in soccer <laughs> to Canada. And if American soccer, if U.S. soccer is not embarrassed by that... We have a serious problem. You're telling me the head coach is praising the physicality of his team, how they couldn't handle it in a 2-0 defeat? Give me a break. Where's the embarrassment? We need more hatred in sports. We need more personal accountability (laughs) embarrassment in sports. I want every American American to come out from that match and say, I am damn embarrassed that we just lost to them in anything other than ice hockey. Well, here's how the reaction should be. I am ashamed to be on this team right now. To lose Curling. to Canada and soccer. We should lose to them in curling. Curling, too. And if this is not a downhill skiing. Molson drinking. Uh, 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 yes, that, too. I mean, come on. That's T- embarrassing. Tomorrow night, we host I sent some Honduras. embarrassment here is why I'm cutting them some slack, honestly. Yeah. Tomorrow I feel like night, they're, they're legitimately embarrassed, so I'm okay with that because they're actually embarrassed this tomorrow time. Tomorrow night, we host Honduras in Minneapolis. Uh, please, it's Honduras. Honduras. <laughs> in Minneapolis. Honduras. They are the worst team in the entire tournament. We should beat them and beat them <laughs> without any doubt. Okay. If we do, we will have won two games and lost one game in this three-game set. Winning two at home, losing one on the road, that's satisfying. So in good shape for qualifying. In reasonable – yeah, it was in the top three. I think we're in second right now. The three top three go. The fourth team plays a, a one-game playoff to go. Canada, surprisingly, is the top team in the whole thing. So they've not just been having success against us. They've been having success against everyone. They're, they're an upstart team right now in this cycle. Dumber quote, the goalkeeper for Canada saying that U.S. was scared of them. No, Burhalter, dumber quote. Or, or, uh, or C.J. Uzama, who said that the Titans were scared of the Bengals' offense two weeks ago. That was his post-game quote. He said the Titans were scared of the Bengals' offense yeah, they while they were sacking him nine, nine times. Time. Eleven times, nine that counted. I, I mean, at least, at, least his team, at least his team won. <laughs> I mean, I think the American coach is dumber for having said that. Well, he was saying nothing that loss. the Canadian was saying thing the scared. Oh, saying that well, yeah, both won. Yeah. I'd say equally. Uh, s- equal. I, I'd, say, ca- I'd say. I'd say Uzama. I'd say Uzama. Yeah. Uzama's the, pretty dumb. For I think the it. Canadian uh, keeper has a little bit more room to flex. Look, I'm not saying anything political here. Uzama, in this conversation, when we're just rolling it off the tongue, sounds very close to. Uh. 
Osama. Oh. <laughs> and yeah, it just it stops does. me in my tracks Osama. when yeah. we're saying it. You say it fast, it does. and all of a sudden it, it changes, and all of a sudden I'm in uh, Zero Dark Thirty. It does sound a bit that way. Um, my knowledge of the Canadian soccer team is that I follow Richard Deitch, the media yeah. critic on Twitter. He, he lives in Toronto. And he lives in Toronto now, and he's like hyping the Canadian soccer team as his own. He's American. Yeah. He's born and raised and in America. He, writes, he moved to Toronto. Well, it's funny because the Athletic has a lot of strong Canadian ties, too, because it started on a lot of hockey. They have very strong hockey coverage. Not well, I, that I'm I, reading it. I, I, I want to make sure that I'm quoting him properly. The tweet was something like, this is far and away my favorite sports story of the year. I've been following it all along with the Canadian soccer team. I don't know if he said Canada's my favorite of the year in international competition. Of 2022, which is one month and one day old? Well, I think going back to whenever this started, yeah. The 2021-2022 year that's happened. Yeah, the quote from C.J. Uzama, we knew that they were scared of us. This is him on the Titans game via the Chris Collinsworth podcast. Well, I mean, they should have been scared of them coming in, those receivers. But in the end, I don't think the Titans played like they, they were scared, scared of, their of the Bengals' offense. No, in any way. Considering that they were sacking him every so second when is the back. when is the next time the United States will play Canada? They're done for this qualifying tournament. So, so there could be a friendly. Of, not of any import. There could be a friendly soon. somewhere. But these the, the chances of these two teams, as they sit right now with the roster set, Facing off with the same players is it could is slim. it could happen in the World Cup. Oh, I'm so it's not going to happen in qualifying at all. The, the, the Qualifying's it. done. They've played okay. home and home. Because see, I want to get a watch party. Yeah, for exactly. when the U.S. plays Canada yeah. in soccer and blow this thing out. <laughs> we need to show those Canucks that we are not scared of them in any way. In hey, any way, we're so not scared of them. I don't know how they handled our physicality. Again, if it's an ice hockey us. and I see it or curling, like you said, I'll say okay. That's fine. You know, I get it. Canada won this one. But soccer, that's where I draw the line. I draw the line at U.S. versus Canada soccer. Let's, we will have, let's not let the Jamaicans get back involved oh in this gosh. thing. Armando Salguero right will now, join right? us They're coming up in, in the top 20 three. minutes. They're not in the top three. It's Canada, U.S., Mexico? Yes. That's what it should be. Fine with those three. And that Representing. No, no, no. U.S. <laughs> right now it's Canada, U.S., Mexico. And I, I mean, you could argue Panama. it should be Mexico, U.S., Canada. <laughs> But I'll go U.S., Mexico, Canada in that order. I'll keep you posted. Honduras tomorrow night. Um, I'm clearly just going by GDP. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> no knowledge of the athletes in these countries. Armando Salguero uh, will join us coming up in about 20 minutes. We'll discuss the big storyline with Brian Flores filing a lawsuit uh, against the NFL and the New York Giants, the Miami Dolphins, and the Denver Broncos. We'll get the details there. When we come back, the Tennessee Titans general manager says he's got his quarterback and his name's Tannehill. <laughs> 